Well, good morning, everybody. How are you guys doing today? Good? Awesome. Hey, I want to welcome you. Welcome those of you that are in the overflow in the lobby as well. We're so glad that you guys are here. My name's Colby. I'm the pastor at Elevate Church. And if this is your first time, you picked a great weekend to come check us out, to kick the tires, so to speak, because we're launching a new series called Foolproof. And the tag to this series is to help you and I to stop acting a fool, if you know what I'm saying. Like those videos that we saw before, we kind of dive into the content and tell you where we're going to go in the next uh, several weeks. I do have one announcement for you, and that is most of you know our heart is to plant churches, is to really multiply, and we're all geared up to, to plant on the east side, and we were looking forward to doing it this fall, and our heart really is to still do it ASAP. However, we want to do it from a place of health in a place of strength, and there are a couple missing components to that launch. And so that's why this is an all-call for anybody in this room who is talented or skilled or gifted in music. We are looking to do some live auditions on Saturday the 29th, Sunday the 30th, if you can sing. Maybe you're a closet singer. Maybe you're a closet, you know, not an air guitar player. Don't do that because that doesn't help us. But if you're a guitar player, you're a vocalist, any of that, you got some talents, we would love to have you audition. You can go online to elevatechurch.com forward slash live audition. All the information is there that you need. Show up, be prepared, and let's go. Again, we want to launch, and we're going to launch, and we can't wait for that day to come, and we will do it as soon as we have those pieces in place because our, our goal is not really just to, to launch, to go. We want to do it in a way that's healthy, in a way that's God-honoring, and we can do it, and we're just ready to go and just kind of charge that hill, all right? So if you know somebody, or if it's you, go ahead and make sure you're here on that day. All right, enough of that. Now, this series called Foolproof really is to help you and I um, from keeping us from making some really dumb decisions. And I look around the room, and I think there's just a, such a wide demographic of people in this room, ages, stages of life. But here's the thing that we all have in common. To one degree or another, we're making all kinds of decisions every day. Like, they might vary. Some of you are making decisions on, you know, am I going to ask her to homecoming? Am I going to, you know, ask him out on a, a date? Maybe you're in high school and you're looking, you know, to make decisions on the, the athletics that you're going to get involved in. Maybe you're coming out of college, and you're talking about your careers and what's next, and you're, you're making decisions based on that. Or some of you are, are looking to get married. Should I marry him? Should I, I marry her? We all have all kinds of decisions that we have to make. Should I buy a home? Should I rent a home? Should we just live in a tent? You know, what should we do, you know, with, with our lives? Maybe some of you are making family decisions in this moment. Do we have kids? Do we get rid of the kids that we have? And that might be the goal for some of you. I don't know. Maybe that's why you come to church on Sunday. You know, you can, you know, put them across the hall and that's fine. Um, or maybe, you know, it's, it's, it's really important decisions like uh, what, what pet should I buy? What dog, you know, should I bring into our home? Because we all know it's not God's will for you to bring a cat into your home, right? And so maybe you have some very important decisions to make. And then here's the thing. We all have them to make, but I don't think a lot of us take the time to think through the consequences of our decisions. I think we're in a season of culture to where, man, there's just some dumb decisions being made. And maybe it's not that, that we just make dumb decisions and we don't really think about the consequences or the ramifications of those decisions. Maybe 
It's just that the speed of life keeps you from taking time to make the best decision possible. And the reason this is all a big deal, the reason making decisions uh, and being wise is a big deal is because, jot this down, we make decisions and then those decisions make us, right? That's been said. In other words, um, you are who you are today based on the decisions that you made yesterday. You are where you are in life based on those choices that you made. And you will become or you will arrive at another destination in the future based on the decisions you make today. And I think we need to be in a place where we are trying to foolproof some of our decision making to keep us from acting a fool. And that's why we're diving into the book of Proverbs. Proverbs is part of the wisdom literature in the Bible. From time to time, we will do book studies. And you might not always realize it. They might be wrapped up in a kind of a series or a topic thing. But we study about two times a year a specific book of the Bible. This one is written by King Solomon. King Solomon is the third king of the nation of Israel. It was Saul, uh, and then David, and then his son Solomon. Now, whenever somebody would become king, they would make sacrifices to their God. And in this case, Saul would make sacrifices to God, um, you know, the one true God that we know. And then David made sacrifices to God. And they would do this in order to signify their dependence upon God. In other words, saying, hey, I'm gonna take my, my, my position as a king of this nation, but I want you to know that it's not about me, it's about God, so I'm gonna sacrifice to God. I'm totally relying on him you know, to, to work in this, on him to you know, be the ones that, that are, are kind of driving you know, what we do. And so Solomon, he didn't offer one sacrifice, like was, was usual. He didn't offer two, he didn't offer, offer 10 or 20 or 30. Solomon offered God a 1,000 sacrifices. Like, this was a big deal. You just didn't do this. And because of these sacrifices, his, his saying to God, God, you are first. Like, like, I'm not doing this without you. Demonstrating his dependence upon God, it moved God's heart in such a way that God goes to Solomon and says, hey, what do you want? Like, I'll give you whatever you want, man. I just love the fact that you opened yourself up, that you put me first, that you demonstrated that you're gonna follow me. What do you want? He basically said, wish for something, and it's yours, right? Now, here's a quick question. Um, I don't know if you've ever played that game. You know, what would you say? You know, had you know, somebody giving you a wish? Obviously, we all know the answer is you wish for more wishes, right? That's what you do. But what would you wish for? What would you ask God for? Maybe it would be... Um, uh, infinite health. Maybe there's some ailment that, that you're experiencing. Maybe it would be to travel back in time to, to kind of right some of the wrongs that you made. Maybe it would be for money. Come on, some of you, let's be honest, you'd be like, show me the money. You know, that's what I want. Well, I think what you wish for and what you would ask for actually says a lot about who you are. And so Solomon did something um, that, again, further moved the heart of God. Not just these thousands of sacrifices that he made. He went to God and said, here's what I want. I want wisdom. Give me wisdom. Like above anything else, give me wisdom. What he literally told God, this is in 1 Kings chapter three, is that I want a heart of understanding in order to govern people well. That's what he asked for. And God was like, all right, that's awesome that you would ask for that. So he gave him wisdom. He actually ended up giving him, him wealth. Solomon was known to be the wisest human being that ever walked the face of the earth. And so during his, his time as king and under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he wrote three books 
of the Bible. Uh, one is Ecclesiastes. One is uh, the Song of Songs or Song of Solomon. My favorite book is Hot and Heavy. It's awesome. You should read it. And then this one is the book of Proverbs, in which this is the one that we are going to dive into. And this is what Proverbs 4, 7 says. Wisdom is, notice the next word, supreme. Like, that's it. Like, wisdom is the top. This is the top of God's list. And if it's at the top of God's list, if it's at the top of the wisest man who ever walked the face of the earth, his list, then why isn't it at the top of our list? He says it's supreme, so go and get it. Like, do whatever you have to do. If it costs you all you have, write that check. Do anything and everything in order to gain wisdom, wisdom. Because if you can, it will all come back to you if you and I can learn to live a life of wisdom. Now, the Hebrew word for wisdom does not mean um, that you have a big brain. It's not about how smart you are. What the word means is you have skilled living. In other words, it's not about the information that you know how to retain, the information that is inside of you. It's how you apply the information to your life and doing it such a way that your life works well. Your life works the way that God intended it. It's the word skilled living. Because there's a big difference between knowledge and wisdom. I don't know if you realize this or not. Check it out. It's been said knowledge constructs the Titanic, but it takes wisdom to avoid the iceberg. You know what I'm saying? Like, knowledge builds the boat, and that's great, but it takes wisdom to steer it correctly, and the same is true with your life. Like, you need to have wisdom in order to live it correctly. It's been said knowledge builds a house. Wisdom builds a home. In other words, you can get married, you can have a family, but do you know how to pull it all together in such a way that it honors God and works well. It takes, it takes wisdom, and God's word says a lot about how we do that. Here's one more. Knowledge understands God, but it's wisdom that walks with God. And our goal for you, I, I hope you know this, my heart is that not that you come through these doors every single week and just get more all knowledge, get more information, information, but that you would have a real life transformation, a real relationship with God who can change you from the inside out, how we apply this to our lives. The late, great Billy Graham, he said, knowledge is horizontal. In other words, you can gain knowledge. You can go to college, get more knowledge, right? You can go to, you can get online and, and get some knowledge online. Some of it's good, some of it's not so good. You can, you can go places, you can listen to things, you can learn stuff, but wisdom, he says, is vertical. In other words, you're going to have to connect with the God of the universe. You're gonna have to connect with the God who holds the world in the palm of his hands that wisdom, true wisdom, comes from above. And again, what motivated me perhaps in doing this series uh, is this growing trend really in our culture to make some stupid decisions. Like we, we do, we make some foolish kinds of decisions. Like really people go around eating Tide Pods? Like seriously? Like, how do we even come up with that stuff, right? And it's not just outside of the church walls, by the way. Like, even in the church, we're, we're depending more on our own knowledge, self-knowledge, where we'll say things like, I know what God's word says about, about that, 
but you know what, I think that if I live this way, it's going to be better for me. Even in the church, we do that. And I've seen that trend as well. And by the way, if that's you, you would say, hey, I know what God's word says about, about this kind of way of living, you know, but this is better for me. That's not gonna go well for you. That's really not gonna end you up. And I don't, I don't even have to preach to you about that because you'll be back. It's one of those things that's going to catch up with us. So I believe that now more than ever, perhaps, we need to foolproof our life. And the book of Proverbs really gives us that wisdom for living. Proverbs is 31 chapters. Um, the first nine chapters really kind of lay out this case for wisdom. A lot of times wisdom is referred to as a she. It's like, hey, you need to go after her. You need to get her, do everything that she can do to get wisdom. Um, it's kind of laying out this case. It would take you 20 minutes to read the first nine chapters. I would encourage you to do that. Starting in chapter 10, it's kind of the, the Proverbs section where it starts to list you know, one topic after the other topic, and they're not really in any kind of particular order. They're not categorized. You might read a proverb on, on how, to, how to be a better husband you know, and how to do life and how to have your marriage you know, kind of thriving. And then the very next one is about your money, and then the very next one is about your time, and the very next one is about your family. So there's not really an order to them. They all kind of stand alone. But what you're gonna notice is that in the first five of these and really throughout the rest of the Proverbs, it lists four different kinds of people. And I thought this is the best place for us to start. In fact, this is the way that I learned it, and I'm gonna give it to you uh, just like I learned it. And the first, uh, this is gonna be helpful for, for us as we kind of dive into this over the next several weeks. The first kind of person that is listed in the book of Proverbs that I wanna talk about is the simple. Jot that down. It's just the simple. Now, the simple is not... Um, is somebody who's not wise only because uh, that no one told them. Like they didn't, they didn't know any better. So the simple could be someone who is naive, someone who is, is clueless, you know, somebody that goes and does something and they say, hey, I just, I didn't know any better in that season of my life. I didn't know what I was doing. Look at Proverbs 7, 7. It describes the simple. It says, I saw among the simple, I noticed among the young men. It says young because the simple uh, and it's, they're just inexperienced, right? They haven't lived long enough to really understand. It says they were, they're younger. Just the, they're simple. They're just, they just don't know any better. Among the young men, a youth who had no sense. Like, he just got no sense. Some of your parents are like, yep, yep, come on. That's amen, right? My kids just don't have any sense. And they don't have sense just because they don't have the experience. Now, before we uh, kind of start talking down towards the younger generation, there's a little bit of simple in all of us. There's something in your life, perhaps, where you would even say, no, 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 I think this is a better direction. I think this is the way that I should go. And maybe you just don't know any better because you've never been down that path. In fact, I'm walking through uh, a journey with a, a guy right now who's acting outside of his marriage boundaries, like, and, it's, and I'm like, hey, man, it's gonna bite you. That's not gonna end well for you if you continue down that path. And honestly, it might take a, a tragedy in his life to kind of bring him back. I don't think he's an evil guy. I just don't think he knows any better and he might have to learn the hard way. That's just being simple. It's being naive. It's, a, it's generally a younger kind of generation thing. And again, that's not a slam. It's just you don't know stuff at 15 that you know at 50, right? You just haven't lived life Long enough, in fact, to quote the, the great theologian, Taylor Swift, uh, she says, 
When you're 15 and somebody says they love you, you're going to believe them. Why? Because you're 15. You just don't know any better. Some of you girls are laughing because that was you. He told me that he loved me. Mom and dad, we're going to be together forever, right? Like he's the one. He's Mr. Right. I love him. He doesn't love you. He loves making out with you. He doesn't love you. But at 15, when somebody says they love you, it's just being simple. It's just being naive. That's not a knock. It's just, it kind of is what it is. Here's the word of warning for the simple. And that is this, not in your notes. You could jot this down if you're younger. And I would, I would beg the younger people in the room, even those of you who are in your 20s, don't make decisions in isolation. Like, just don't do it. Like, you have to bring people around you that you trust, people that love you, people that love God, that would give you some godly wisdom and direction. That's really the heart of our small groups. And why we push so hard for you to be in a small group here at Elevate Church is not because you need something else to do. Like, you don't need another thing in your already busy calendar. I don't need something else in my, my calendar. But what I do need are people around me who know me, people who have walked paths that I haven't walked yet that will keep me from going, hey, 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 that's not the right way to go. And that's not the right way to go because you know any better, you just haven't experienced that yet. So I would beg you, get in a small group. Put yourself in, in, a, in relationships with people who know what you're going through. Because again, there's a little bit of simple in all of us. Um, I was in Honduras like three years ago or so, just kind of on a trip. We were partnering with a church and they were kind of putting up homes in these villages. And I didn't know this at the time, but uh, the capital city of Honduras is the murder capital of the world. And it's all about gang violence and, and territorial kind of disputes. It's not like Bloods and Crips and that. It's, it's really about territory. And so uh, I was in this village and we were kind of touring this home that they had, this church had put up, you know, with our support and, and what it looked like. And um, I started wandering around the village and I'm like, I want to check this place out. And so I start going up over this hill. And so I get to the top of the hill. And I'm just kind of looking down. And this guy yells at me from about 100 yards away. He's like, Stop! And I turn around, I'm like, who are you talking to? Like, this is the guy that's a part of this group. He's like, don't go up there. And I'm like, first of all, actually, my thought was, don't tell me what to do. I'm a grown man. You can't tell me what to do, right? That's, that was my first thought. I have authority issues. But I was going up to the top of this hill, and he's like, stop. And he's starting to get, like, mad at me. And so he starts running up after me. I'm like, what, dude? I'm just, I'm really just looking at things. He's like, hey, hey, you can't go over there. We paid the gang lord of this territory to allow us to come in to see this one house. And just last week, one of our worship leaders was shot in a, in a fight that was just over that hill where you were heading. How many of you know that brother was my best friend in that moment? You know what I'm saying? He was. Like, there are some things I just didn't know. You know, it was just simple. And I, thank God I wasn't the only one making decisions for my life in that moment. Some of you are making decisions in a moment that you shouldn't be, that you don't have anyone around you telling you differently. That's the simple. We just are, are naive. Colby, how do I keep from being simple? Honestly, uh, it's time and experience is a big part of it, but surrounding yourself with people who have been there. It's listening to them. I, I just beg you, you know, have a parent, have a pastor, have, have a, a youth leader, have someone in your life who can help you. Here's the next one, write this down, uh, is the fool. 
full. So we have the simple, and then we have the fool. And the fool is different from the simple in the fact that the fool knows what he shouldn't do, but does it anyway. There are a lot more fools around us. You know what I'm saying? Like, if I look around, a lot of us have some experience. We've been some places. Um, but the fool would say, uh, I know what that label says. I'm going to put it in my body anyway. I don't care. I know what it says on that package, but I'm just gonna do it anyway. I'm gonna take that risk. It doesn't matter to me because I'm, I'm a fool. And there's probably, again, this is not a knock. Don't point the finger, right? There's a little bit of fool in all of us. Here's what I know. There's an area of your life that you are managing, that you remain to be foolish in. You know what you shouldn't do, but you do it anyway because here's, Here's how a fool decides whether or not to do something. Jot this down. This is what Proverbs 10.23 tells us. Doing wrong is fun for a fool. A fool bases their decision making on the metric of, is this fun? Is this going to be a good time? Am I going to enjoy it in this moment? That's what a fool says. Their whole decision making is, is it going to be fun? And people will push back and say, Colby, you don't know. Sinning's not fun. Sinning's not fun. You're just not doing it right, right? Let's be honest. Sinning can be fun in the moment. It's the consequences of that that's, that's not fun. But fools, we just don't care. There's an area of our life where I do it even though I know what I'm doing is not good, but because it's fun, I'll just continue to do it. I'll just continue to drink it. I'll just continue to smoke it. I'll continue to, to sleep with whatever because it's fun in the moment. And the reality is some of you walk through these doors today and you are neck deep up in the process of, of living like a fool and you know it, but you're doing it because you think it's, it's fun. And many people will push back and say, well, God just doesn't want to have any fun. If I follow what God's word says, it's not fun. They push back as though God is the, the fun police trying to stifle any enjoyment that you would have. And that's really not true. Like God's doesn't implore us to be wise for his sake. He does it for our sake. He knows that it's better for us. God doesn't give us boundaries. He doesn't give us his, his, his laws, you know, to confine us, to keep us trapped from having any fun. He does it because he knows inside of it there's freedom and there's joy and there's peace in that freedom. Somebody say amen right there. Like that's what God's word is about, where we find freedom in that. But people will push back, right? And they'll say, no, no, no. God doesn't want me to have any fun. And some of you are feeling the sting of the fun that you've had, like right now in your life. In fact, if there's, there's uh, anything that my wife and I freak out about uh, as parents a little bit, it's our kids, you know, being around fools, like associating with fools. It's like, man, I, I gotta help you choose your friends because that, that brother's a fool, you know what I'm saying? Like, don't, don't hang out with him. And the only reason I know that is because that's my story. Like everything I ever did bad, everything I ever did that I say what I, I tried for the first time, right, is because I thought it was fun. And my friends convinced me that it was fun. My first drink, my friends convinced me this is going to be fun. My first, I'm not gonna tell you all my first because we're gonna be here for a while if I do. <laughs> Just suffice it to say everything, right, that was my first experience. And the same probably goes for you. It was the, the idea that this was going to be fun. I wasn't running with friends. I was running with, with fools. I'll, I'll give you one example. Um, 
from my younger years, when I was about 11 or so, and we were living in Little Rock, Arkansas, and we just kind of ran with a bunch of friends, and we'd just bike around the neighborhood. You know, we had a biker gang, and we'd just kind of, you know, bike into the woods, and uh, there was this another development that was being built, and apparently they'd stopped construction on it. I don't know, but it was great for us to ride our BMX bikes on and, and jump stuff, and it was fun. One day, we discovered back there this empty, abandoned trailer, and we're like, this is a miracle. This is, this is from God, right? This is our new fort. Obviously, no one owns this thing because it's right here. Like, so let's go have fun. This is, this is great. And so we proceeded to make that thing. Man, that was our fort. That was our trailer. In fact, I don't know where the idea came up, but we decided, hey, what might be fun is watching these windows explode. So everybody grabbed a rock, right? And we just, man, we unleashed on that trailer, just like, pah. And in the moment, you're like, is this right or is this wrong? I don't know. And we're just kind of, we, we blew up every window inside of that thing. And a guy pulls up in a truck and uh, he comes out of the truck. He says, hey, did you guys do that? And we're kind of proud, actually. We're like, yeah, yeah, pretty awesome, huh? Check it out. Like our fort, we found a fort in the woods. It belongs to us now, it's our, that's our fort. And he's like, oh yeah, that's really cool. And he, and he gets out a camera. And so this is back in like, I don't know, 80 eight, whatever, and he starts taking pictures of us because they used to have make cameras for all you children out there that, that wasn't your phone. It wasn't, you couldn't do that. And so he took pictures of us and we all stood there like arm in arm. Like, yeah, check out our fort. <laughs> we were just proud of this thing, right? And he's like, where do you guys live? Oh, it's just right down here. Oh, yeah, yeah, what's your address? Well, mine is, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and then they're like, what, your, what's your phone number? And so he got all of our information, every single one of us. That's how foolish we were, right? Called our parents, sued all of our parents for damages of his, you know, construction trailer that was out there. Like, like I, it was a bad time in my life, right? But from that moment, I learned a lesson. I've never thrown a rock through a window since I was 11 years old. And the reality is some of you are going to have to go through a painful experience in order to, to, for it to speak to you, in order for you to make some differences, some changes in your life, in order for some of you to wake up, unfortunately, you're going to have to face a tragedy. And the word of warning really is it doesn't have to be that way. I hope it's not that way, but for a lot of us, like, Figuratively speaking, you have the rocks in hand. You're ready to unleash. Maybe it's not rocks. Maybe it's keys to your car. And you know that, you know, at a certain time of night, if you get in and you drive to a certain place, certain things will happen. And unfortunately, you're going to have to go through that tragedy, maybe in order to wake up. Or maybe it's you have friends in your life, and you're like, yeah, yeah, we should go here. We should do that. And there's something inside of you saying, no, man, we should just leave. We should turn around. We should, we should go back. And you know in your heart it's not the right thing to do, but you're gonna have to go through it, through that pain. You're gonna have to face that. And here's what I know. Uh, for those of you that have, have done that and have gone through those painful experiences, or maybe you are right now, God doesn't create that painful experience, but he will use it. He will use it to draw you back to him. And here's, here's, here's how wonderful our God is that even after he wants to, to take you back, he wants to redeem you, put you back to his original plan and design for your life, he wants to restore you back to that, even after all you've gone through, even after the pain that you've experienced, he will take and use that pain that you've gone through and you'll be able to comfort others the same way that he comforted you in that moment. How great is our God, right? That he established 
this way of us pouring into other people. So don't, don't get down on yourself for going through that. There's a purpose in that pain if you'll grab a hold of it. In fact, really, that's the beauty of Crash Course. And many of you guys are going through it right now, but Crash Course really is four weeks in order to take you on this journey from, from all the, maybe the labels that you've had in the past, those experiences that you've had in the past, and restore you back to God's design for you. And you can jump into that today. Week two, right after this worship experience, right across the hall. Here's a third person. Jot this down. We saw the simple, we saw the full, and now we get to the mocker. The mocker. Uh, your translation might say the scoffer. Uh, if you're using another kind of translation, the mocker, however, is the fool on steroids, all right? Because here's the mocker. The mocker, not only does he know what not to do and does it anyway, but he criticizes others for wanting to do what's right. That's the mocker. Like his life's mission is to mess your life up. And you might not know a mocker personally, but my, my bet is you've met one on Facebook in the comment section, right? Like if you post something, you always have that one person, you always have that mocker that man, they live for the debate. They live to just, they have the spiritual gift of being a horse's rear end, if you know what I'm saying, right? They do. And you can't tell them otherwise, you can't argue with them. In fact, if you do engage with them, here's the warning, the Bible says, Proverbs 9, 7, whoever corrects a mocker, you're just asking for it. Like you're inviting the insults. Like you didn't help them anyway, because they don't care, but whoever rebukes the wicked incurs abuse. Like, like really, how many of you want more abuse in your life than you already have? But when you engage these guys online, you engage them in the comment section, right? They just, you just, you just get more abuse. Do not rebuke mockers. They're not going to change. They're going to hate you instead. And some people will say, well, dang, what do I do with a mocker? Like, really? Like, the mocker sounds terrible. It's because they are. I'm just saying. What do I do? The Bible has some really strong language about what to do with a mocker. And here's, here's what it says. You can't do anything. Only God only God is gonna have to get involved in their life. God's gonna have to move in their heart for them to change that pattern of just using criticism to control, using criticism to manipulate, just being a mocker. Some of you, if you were honest, you might say, Colby, that is me. Like, I don't know what it is, but I have just this negative spirit that just, man, I just, I mock, I mock. If that's you today, I would just ask you, just beg God to change that in your life. Because here's the goal, here's the fourth kind of person I want you to jot down, and that is the wise. This is what the book of Proverbs really is all about, makes this case for being wise. And it's not the person that has the biggest brain, it's not the person that has the most education, it's not even the person that has the most experience, the one that's lived long enough. The wise has one unique quality. And if we can wrap our minds around this, if we can um, understand the value and importance in this, it is the game changer. Proverbs 9, 9 says, instruct the wise. In other words, correct those guys and they will be wiser still. They'll receive that from you. Instruct the wise. People who are wise, they don't just push back at feedback. What they do is they, they welcome it in and it makes them wiser. And then teach the righteous and they will add to their Learning, so here, here's the word, here's the quality of the wise. They are, write it down, teachable. They're teachable. They realize that they haven't figured everything out. 
They realize that, that they don't know everything yet, that there's more that they can learn. They're coachable, right? They are pliable. These are the kind of people that, that you want to be associated with, the ones that, that will take from you, that will eat the fish, right, and spit out the bones are teachable people. I've heard uh, these four summarized in this way. Correct the simple, they're not gonna get you. Just haven't experienced it yet, they're just naive. Correct the fool, and they'll ignore you. Correct the mocker, they will hate you, but correct the wise, and they will thank you for it. And that's really the goal in this series, is for us to get to that place in life where we're like, hey, thank you. Thank you for that wisdom. Thank you for that learning. Thank you for that understanding. I'm gonna take that in. In fact, if we apply that to our lives, that will help us foolproof our lives. So in the short time that we have, have left, here's how I think we should ultimately dive into this series. And I want you to jot this down because this really is the beginning place. In order for us to live wisely, which is the goal, we have to first see God rightly. We have to first see God as he is understand who he is, the attributes of God, the, the characteristics of God. Proverbs 9.10 says that this all begins with the fear of the Lord, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all this wisdom, and that knowledge of the Holy One is understanding, a fear of God. When we come to this place of, God, I know who you are, I have a holy, reverent fear of you. And that, doesn't work, that word is, doesn't mean afraid, by the way. We're gonna talk about that in just a second. But it's saying, God, I honor you, I respect you. And you come to church, you come before God in a posture of God, you are, you are awesome, you are holy. And like, I just wanna learn from, from you. God says, all right, now I can get involved. Now I can deposit my wisdom inside of you because you're teachable, because you're coachable, because you have this holy fear of God. Now, people erroneously believe that fear means to be afraid. I don't know how you grew up in church. I grew up with this, this, this picture that God was always mad at me, that he was always angry with me, that it didn't matter what I did. I could never do enough. I was never, you know, capable of, of being right with God. And in some instances, that's actually true because it's not a works-based relationship that we have with God. But I always thought he just, he didn't like me. In fact, I thought at any moment his lightning bolt was locked and loaded, right, ready to make me a grease spot because of the way I was living my life. But that's not who God is. Our God is compassionate. Our God, the Bible says, is slow to anger, not wanting anyone to perish, that our God uh, has filled with grace and mercy, and that he loves you for you just as you are. He forgives you what you did yesterday, this week, and he still loves the fact that you walked in here and are worshiping him this morning. That's how good our God is, no matter what we've done, right? He still loves us. And so we need to remember that. We need to, to in order to be wise, first have this right understanding of who God is. And Proverbs is clear that it is the fear, a holy fear, of the Lord that leads to wisdom. And so I wanna help us develop that as we kick off this series. And the first thing I want you to understand is, is that God is awesome. Like we need to know right here, right now, God is awesome. Like, like there's nothing that is impossible for God. Like God created the heavens and the earth. He, he spoke it into existence. He cast the stars 
into the sky. Like, and it doesn't matter the way I feel. It doesn't even matter if I think God is working the way that he should work or not in my life. He's still awesome. He's still amazing. He's still working out all those things for my good. Now I don't have to understand it. I don't have to get it or wrap my mind around it because I know that I still fall incredibly short. Here's what Psalm 33, eight says. So let the whole earth fear God. How do we do that? By standing in awe of him. Like we stand in awe of what God has done. Listen to me. You'll never meet another guy who is more awe-inspired by God than me because 73 people last week, I mean, really, come on, like went public with their faith. Like this year alone, over 300 people have taken that step and gotten baptized. Like 4,000 plus people have received Jesus through this church, through what God is doing. Like this is a miracle. Like I am so in awe, and it's nothing that we could do. It's only God could do it. Only God could make that happen. And so we are filled with the fact that God is awesome. Isaiah put it beautifully. He said, hey, haven't you heard? Don't you know that the Lord is everlasting, right? He's the beginning and he's the end. In other words, he's outside of time and space. That can't even contain him. He's the creator of the ends of the earth. Just think about that. Like, that's who God is. He's created all of that. He doesn't grow tired. He doesn't grow weary, right? When we approach God, understanding how awesome he is with that posture, then God's like, that's where it starts. That's how you have a holy fear of God. Now I can work with that. Now I can deposit my wisdom into you. Here's the second thing we need to understand is that God is holy. Like he's holy. I need you to, I need you to hear this. I, I embrace, I love the style of worship that we have here at Elevate. Man, I, I do. I love the music. I love how loud it is. I love, I love the smoke. I love the haze. I love what these lights and things do. And they just, you know, I think I, I love it. I love it. We do, we do not apologize one minute for having a, a current style of worship. We want to be an attractional church where people who are far from God can come in these doors and have this encounter with him. So I don't apologize for that at all. But just because... We are a contemporary church. Don't miss this. We do not view God as contemporary. We have a holy view of God. Our God is holy. You will never hear us saying, hey, me and God, we're homeboys. You'll never hear us refer to God as the big man upstairs. Because you should know something. God is a roaring lion. He is the Alpha and the Omega. Our God is the creator of the heavens and the earth. He is holy. And if we were right now fully engulfed in his presence, we would all be face down on this ground in worship. We couldn't even look on him. That's how holy our God is. And I think, right, we've forgotten that sometimes. And so again, I love the way we worship God, but never, don't be fooled by that at all. That we believe God is holy. Hebrews 12, 28 says this, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. That's how we approach him. For God is a consuming fire. He's holy. Like we sang that song. It says, holy there is no one like you. 
There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder. Show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around you. He's a holy God. And we would do well to recognize that and to remember that. So he is awesome. He is right. And here's the last, last one I want to give you. I think the best way for us to have this, this holy fear of who God is, where wisdom begins, is understanding that he is right. And here's where I say that. It doesn't matter the way you feel about something. It doesn't matter what we think about something. God's word always trumps the way that we feel. God's word always trumps our, our emotions. He's right. He's right. Even if we think it should be one way, even if we think we should be doing something else, even if we think God's word should say something else about the way that we live our life, it doesn't. He's right. We're not right, but he's right. And I say that because there is this trend in culture. There is this trend in the church for people to say, all right, I think uh, I, I know what God's word says, but I just don't feel like that. I don't think that's, that's good for me. Or I don't think God's word is consistent in this area. And I'll have conversations with people here outside of these walls and be like, explain that to me. I just, I just don't believe, you know, what some of God's word says. I'm like, well, let's, 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 let's dig deeper. What, what are you talking about? And eventually they'll arrive at, well, I just don't believe that, that, that a man could spend three days in the belly of a whale. I, don't, I just don't believe that, that God could create the heavens and the earth in, in seven days. And I'm like, that's not inconsistent. I don't believe that either. I don't, I don't know how that happens either. But I also don't believe the fact that a virgin can give birth to the Son of God. I don't believe or understand how a man walks on water. I don't understand how a man gets up from the dead to save us all. But just because I don't believe it doesn't mean it's not true, right? Just because I don't have proof of it doesn't mean that it didn't happen because God's Word said it happened and God is right. He is right. We forget that and we argue and we push back about all the things that we think it should say. But God's word is right. He is an awesome God. He's a holy God. He's right. In fact, I want to read this to you. The Lord, the law of the Lord, the Bible is perfect. Revise your soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple which is the goal for us like we don't understand God but we can understand him better through his word and we believe that he is right the precepts of the Lord are right giving giving joy to the heart the commands of the Lord are radiant giving light to the eyes the fear of the Lord is pure enduring forever the ordinances of the Lord are sure altogether righteous they are more precious than gold more precious than pure gold they are sweeter than honey sweeter as honey from the honeycomb by them your servant is warned hey look out God's word of warning don't do this don't go that way watch out don't be a fool but if you keep them there is a great reward because God is right he's right and that's what I'm begging for us to to believe begging for us to to learn that his ways are are better than ours his ways are higher than ours in fact here's the message in a verse and I'm done Proverbs 19 23 fear of the Lord leads to life 
Like that wisdom that we have, once we get it, we can lead to, to living this life skillfully in a way that honors God, bringing security and protection from harm. Fear of the Lord brings security and protection. Fear of the Lord brings security and protection. In other words, the more I fear God, the less I have to fear. Let's do this, let's do this. Bow your head. And just right now, don't go anywhere. Don't, don't, don't start packing your things. Let's just sit in moment, in a, for a moment in the presence of God and just understand how awesome He is. How awesome that, that He created the heavens and the earth. And that not only did he, did he do that, but He created you. The Bible says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. That this amazing, awesome God who casts the stars into the sky also knit every hair, also knit you together, knows every hair on your head. And he created you on purpose with a purpose. How awesome is that? And that that God is also holy, that right now what's going on in heaven is just worship. The Bible tells us in, in Revelation that it's just people bowing down and, and kings throwing their crowns at, at the throne of God saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is to come, that he is holy. And we would do well right now to recognize how holy God is and that he's right. And about the, no matter the way that we feel, his word is right. It's really our only guide for right living is trusting in his word, trusting in his precepts. It's where we find joy. This is the best place for us to start as a church in gaining wisdom to keep ourselves from foolishness. And here's what I know as we pray. Some of you, you feel far from God and you know that you are that fool because you know what's right you just decided not to do it. You've gone your own way. Maybe, maybe you've even gone as far as being the mocker, criticizing others who, who would believe what's right. But maybe for the first time you realize that, that God desperately loves you, that he's brought you to a place to hear once again that he doesn't want to do life without you that he doesn't wanna be in eternity without you, that he's slow to anger despite all the mistakes that you made. God's word tells us that even in our sin, while we were still sinning, while we were still acting a fool, while we were still making these bad decisions, that God sent Jesus to die for that. Die for that sin, die for those choices that we've made so that we don't have to pay for them in eternity. And so Jesus died on the cross conquering the sin in our life once and for all. And the moment we understand and believe and truly lean into that, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit comes into our heart and makes us new and gets us started on this journey of living with Jesus. And for some of you, this is why you're here today. You desperately need this. You've been making one bad decision after the other. Isn't it time to try a different way? Isn't it time to ask God for his help, for his guidance, his wisdom. If that's you, you say, Colby, that's where I am. I'm gonna invite you to trust Jesus with your life. And the way we do that is through prayer. And I'm gonna lead you in a simple prayer. You don't have to use my words, you can say your own words. But if you'd say, Colby, when you pray that, I'm praying right along with you. Would you shoot your hand up and just hold it up high right now? 
And that's okay, be bold about it. Just say, you know what? I'm doing this on my own and I'm done and I'm gonna allow Jesus to lead me. I want the Holy Spirit of God to fill me. I confess my sins, awesome. Praise God for all of you. Put your hands down. Just repeat something like this in your heart or say it out loud. Jesus, today, forgive me for making my own decisions and going my own way. Forgive me for my sin. Forgive me for my mistakes. I trust that your death on the cross paid for them once and for all. And so I confess you as Lord and Savior of my life in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you made a decision to follow Jesus into your life and accept him as Lord and Savior, we would love to know about it. You can go online to elevatechurch.com forward slash yes, and there will be some practical next steps for you to take along this journey. If you want to commit to fueling the mission and vision of this church to see people far from God reach their full potential in Christ, you can go online to elevatechurch.com forward slash give.